chimichangas. Yeah, you like that part? No. <laughs> All right, Tucson, we've we've stepped on your dick a little bit here, so why don't you go ahead and why don't you give your thoughts? All right, both of you, just get off my dick, okay? Get, get your cleats off my dick. All right. Whoa, um, so big. It came out on the same way that Duke Nukem Forever came out, where it took over ten years to make, and it was an absolute shit tier game. People still say that it was good because they delude themselves because they cannot believe that they waited over 10 years for this fucking video game because they are busy just, like, jacking off and eating Cheetos and playing World of Warcraft and shit. I mean, the violence is, like, trying to have sex with a flaccid dick. It's just, you know... <laughs> that is a Deadpool joke. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Waka like... waka, chimichangas. <laughs> Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this bonus episode, the guys discuss the R-rated surprise hit Deadpool, the Marvel anti-hero movie starring Ryan Reynolds. You whip out a couple of swords at your ex-girlfriend's wedding? They will never forget it. That's funny, Wade. I think you confuse me with someone who gives a shit. If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, FilmTankShow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome in to another bonus episode of Film Tank. I am Alex Diekman, along with Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Chimichangas! Yeah? You like that part? No. <laughs> the movie we're talking about today is the R-rated action-adventure uh, film Deadpool, starring Ryan Reynolds and a cast of other characters, including Ed Skirin? Screen? Skirian? That's a name. Yeah. Whatever. The guy who plays Ajax slash Francis. Oh, that's the guy who uh, plays the new transporter in the new transporter film, and it's oh. bad. Yeah. Oh, good. We don't need to talk about transporter films at all because I heard there's nine of them coming out in the next three years. What That's the good. Fuck? Nine in three years? Well, no. There's there's four Transformers films that will come out in consecutive years. Wait, you said transporter? Transporter. Oh, did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes more sense because he was in that. I thought you uh, no. said he was one of the people in the. How new could they make nine in three years after that last shit one? Well, okay. So you're talking about Transformers. Yes, and he's talking about there's... the transporter. Right. But okay. Just so I'm clear, because I do want to know this. So you're saying that there's going to be nine Transformer movies? No, there are four. I, I was. Being a little, oh okay. <laughs> I was going a little bit overboard. I However, there will be four Transformers films, one every year, and then there is a Bumblebee spinoff that is going to have two films. Well, I hope uh, so. we see how much buzz that film gets. Mm. No, I'm totally going to sandbag that one. I, I'm not excited at all. <laughs> Nobody is. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's I am because I want to make more stop bug puns. It's fine. Okay. Uh, so anyways, uh, that guy who is, in fact, in the Transporter film uh, is here as well as T.J. Miller. And uh, the girl who plays the, the main female is uh, Marina Baccarin. Better known as Inara from Firefly. Or she was also uh, the main character on the short-lived television show V yeah. as well. I need to watch that. Or Sergeant Brody's wife on Homeland. There you go. Yeah. She's been around. Those are shows. 
There. And also, too, uh, Brianna Hildebrand <coughs> shows up here as one of the uh, other X-Men, as we uh, just saw her at Sundance in the uh, awesome film First Girl I Loved. Yeah. So it's uh, it was interesting to see her playing a quite Almost a different role. unrecognizable. Yes, with yeah. her short hair and... Don't care. <laughs> short hair. Wow, man. Yeah. Just on fire today. Nick, we just have him just do the episode. I think it'd be great. You guys, please. <laughs> no, so me asking. This film, uh, an R-rated film, uh, as we've seen other superhero films be R-rated, but not quite like this one before, whether it be Dead... Uh, not Deadpool. Wow, that was a good try. <laughs> Kick-ass. Yeah, Deadpool. Kick-ass. Super. Um, super. The Watchmen. Um, those kind of things. Yeah. And this is... Uh, Batman and Robin. Uh-huh. A little bit in the class of its own. That's X-rated. Uh, this is a film uh, about a former Special Forces operative turned mercenary whose name is Wade Wilson, who after being subjected to rogue experiments that leaves him with an accelerated healing power, he adopts a new alter ego, Deadpool. Hey, yeah, I want to shoot. Kind of lonesome back here. Little help here. Oh. Excuse me. Woo. Dopinda. Pool. Dead. Why the fancy red suit, Mr. Pool? Oh, that's because it's Christmas Day, Dopinda. And I'm after someone on my naughty list. You're probably thinking, this was a superhero movie, but that guy in the suit just turned that other guy into a fucking kebab. Surprise. This is a different kind of superhero story. To tell it right, we gotta take you back before I squeeze this ass into spandex. Mr. Wilson, you've recently been diagnosed with terminal cancer. We can fight this. What if I told you we can cure you and give you abilities most men only dream of? I'd say that you sound like an infomercial, but not a good one, like Slap Chop, more Shake Weighty. If I never see you again, know that I love you. When I'm finished, your mutated cells will heal anything. But you still think we're making you a superhero? We're making you a super slave. Oh, come on. You're going to leave me all alone here with Jose Canseco? Whatever they did to me made me totally indestructible and completely no. unfuckable. You, you look like the inside of other people's assholes. I didn't ask to be super, and I'm no hero. But when you find out your worst enemy is after your best girl, the time has come to be a fucking superhero. Right up Main Street. Hear the music. Exco, give it to you. Fun way for you to get it on your own. Exco, deliver to you. We can't allow this, Deadpool. I don't have time for your X-Men bullshit, Colossus. Besides, nobody's getting hurt. That guy was up there before we got here. Knock, knock, open I played a lot of roles. Damsel in distress ain't one of them. Time to make the chimmy fucking changas. Have you seen this man? I never say this, but don't swallow. Shit. Did I leave the stove on? Yeah, you're way too much dude for me. That's why I brought him. I mean, that's why I brought her? Oh, no, finish your tweet. That's fine. Just give us a second. Go get her, tiger. 
Oh, I so pity the dude who pressures her into prom sex. So, uh, this film, which Ryan Reynolds has been campaigning for for many years, as have lots of other people as well. And but... he was Deadpool uh, at a certain point, even. Well, a different kind of yeah, Deadpool. A very shitty right. Deadpool. Yeah. That has powers like... that Deadpool doesn't actually have. Right, right. And... But this is essentially like a do-over for him. Yes. As far as trying to you know bring it to screen. And that is mentioned in this film, as the uh, the movie tries to be very much self-aware of itself, uh, whether it succeeds or fails on that front. Uh, and we saw this film together, which actually I wanted to bring up because we actually don't see that many films, all three of us. I feel like we see ones, one maybe every like month and a half or so. So this was kind of a special case where all three of us actually view the film together and got to have the same film experience of people in the crowd who were pretty much loving the film, I would say. There was uh, one guy and you like Alex and, and Nick might contest this with me, but like he was in behind us and literally like as soon as the, the, the studio logo came up, he pretty much let out like this almost orgasmic sigh of finally. Well, I, again, I, I think that was more to no, do with the no, trailers no, before. The, no, well, dude. it was, it, they were quite long. Did you like watch it? I'm going to play Sweden here and I'm going to say that you're both right. And I love you both. Oh, wow, thanks that, man. That, <laughs> Good old American 20th century culture there. 21st century culture there. Everybody's right. It's fine. Everyone's a winner. It's fine. It's fine. But really, Alex is right. Anyways, <laughs> there there were a lot of other people in the theater who were very much overly enjoying this film. People whether it, showed up with their Deadpool hats. It's true. And outfits and people who were slapping their legs because it was so funny. Like it was a hoedown almost. Mm. Um, at yeah. Least, at least they weren't like laughing at like... Um, that one scene from Hateful Eight, those multiple scenes from Hateful Eight. Oh, well, that's just because there's a lot of people out there who are... Human garbage? Well, that's a little strong, but any, but still, there's a lot of, a lot of people <laughs> out there... It. Well, there's a lot of people out there who find humor in things that aren't meant to be humorous, where I feel like every moment of this film was trying to be that, where parts of the Hateful Eight like just are not that funny. Yeah. Um, so, but... That's fine. There are those people out there, and they'll continue to be there, and they're not going away. Nope. So that's just the way it is. Um, when it comes to opinions on this film, I guess I'll start us off. Uh, I love superhero films for the most part. I've uh, really grown to love the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though this is not part of that. This is a much different... Like the extended universe. Yeah. This is still a Marvel superhero film, especially when you see parts of it that... It, very much has the stink of a Marvel film, even if you go all the way down to the Stan Lee cameo. The which, stink. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think out of all of us, I enjoyed this the most, just because I feel like this isn't a great film in any way, shape, or form. It's not a great superhero film, but this film, I feel like, is for the most part comfortable in what it was trying to be, and I think it accomplished what it was going for, which was being a entertaining R-rated superhero film that was self-aware of what it was trying to do. Uh, the Deadpool character very much tries to talk to the audience, bring up recent pop culture references, even going as far as to reference the actors who play characters in the X-Men films, which is very uh, interesting. As Hugh Jackman gets brought up, Patrick Stewart, James McAvoy, and all that stuff I pretty much love for the most part, just because I feel like even 
this this film is in a really weird spot where it's definitely up its own ass, but at the same time, it's making fun of Marvel for being up its own ass. So it's it's a very weird spot where this film is going for. And for the most part, I liked it. I, there were jokes that fell flat in this film. I definitely won't say that every joke was hitting on all cylinders because it was not. But uh, at the same time, this the kind of humor that was displayed in this film was kind of right up my alley in terms of enjoying juvenile humor that really isn't that funny but while i'm watching a movie that i'm just wanting to be entertained by it very much did that so i enjoyed it i enjoyed a lot of the action scenes some of the cgi wasn't great but that's okay because a lot of the other cgi was very much passable for a superhero film and yeah i i like ryan reynolds playing van wilder playing deadpool which is pretty much what he's doing here and i like van wilder so i enjoyed this film and um, I, I don't want to go too deep into this movie because it's just a stupid R-rated superhero film, but I pretty much enjoyed every minute of it, and I look forward to the sequel, which undoubtedly will be happening now after this last weekend at the box office. So Breaking lots of records. Yeah. Everywhere. And hey, you know what? I I can kind of see why. I feel like this film was made for fans to enjoy it and for a group of people who have been not growing up i will say but who have been teenagers during the time from iron man one until ant-man which is a you know seven year span and they are now of age to go to r-rated films and clearly they would like to go see them and also there are just people who are fans of the deadpool character who clearly ate this shit up and you know what? I'm fine with a little fan service every now and then because I just enjoyed the fans being given what they wanted and I thought it was funny and I enjoyed the action scenes and mm. I like Deadpool. So I'm not ashamed to admit it. It was a fun film for me and it's not going to do anything for the history of cinema, but it was just a really enjoyable film. So I'll pass it off to Nick, who I believe will have a little bit different of opinion just of this tab. film than I had. Just a half star difference. Just <laughs> Yep. So I I am not the biggest superhero fan, as I've said on this uh, podcast. Uh, however, my favorite superhero film franchise has been the X-Men movies, and mm-hmm. obviously this isn't a quote-unquote X-Men movie, but it's in that wheelhouse uh, yeah. as far as, like, it's more... I would say it's more of an emphasis on, like, somebody with a power rather than just, like, a flat-out either tech billionaire Batman thing or or like the Avenger style where it's kind of like it's like they kind of do a multitude of things but like more grounded like the X-Men movies usually are so with that said I mean as grounded as an <laughs> X-Men film can be with a guy who's able to grow like bone talons out of his like between his knuckles and a woman who's able to kill people with sex yeah no but- yeah I guess I'm just saying as far as like the X-Men movies have always been concerned with like human struggle and yeah. like human rights and they're, they're kind of like I would say lofty ideas that you can only do like with ensemble films and and not with like uh you know uh, your average like Superman mm-hmm. you know like, yeah well another thing about the X Men films and this is going away from what Deadpool is is trying to do although it it kind of is and it kind of isn't I guess but you know the Marvel Avengers films pretty much all of those characters were not born with those powers like mutants in the X Men universe have been those people, even though some of them have gotten, you know, upgrades, whether it be Wolverine or Deadpool or whatever. Um, You know, there are people who are born with this, so they kind of live in this universe where, you know, Tony Stark 
just created this character. He isn't actually this person as a right. real person. So. Which is also what then, yes, what Deadpool is, uh, Wade, because he is just a regular person until he is turned into... Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Well, and, and the... The origin story of Deadpool is kind of butchered yeah, in this film. I'm so. only going off what the film is. Yeah, it's ever... only as butchered as like any other origin story <laughs> in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, right. which is like it's not necessarily butchered, only as it is recontextualized in order to make it its own thing. Yeah, and so yeah, so I'm I'm not the biggest superhero fan. Um, uh, however, one thing I do love is I love uh, metatextual uh, movies. I love movies that break the fourth wall. Uh, and play around with the notion of what you're watching as you're watching. The subjectivity and, of viewership. Yeah. And this is a movie that definitely tries to do that. And uh, I think it fails on that level. And I think that's a big reason why I thought this movie was very bad. Uh, it's It doesn't work for me uh, as a superhero story because it's so bland. Uh, it's like just that particular respect is just like every single superhero movie we've ever seen. Um, and so therefore I, you know, I couldn't really connect with it on that level. Um, on the other level, it doesn't work as a love story, which I wouldn't even really like give that much thought to except for the movie. And that's part of the pitfalls of, uh, making your movie self-reflexive reminds you that this is not a superhero movie. This is a love story. That's actually what, uh, Wade's narration is to remind the audience. And if that's the case, it's a really bad love story because we have these two caricatures falling in love, uh, and then, to be fair, I think that the whole notion of it self-labeling itself as a love story is more tongue-in-cheek than it is meant to be literal. Oh, yeah. Um, but you're you're free to disagree. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't know that I completely buy into that because then I feel like that's, I would say... Um, it's poking fun at its own contrivance. proof Like if you say, well, know, everything yeah. in this movie is tongue-in-cheek, then we can't take any of it seriously, even though... We are supposed to take this love story seriously. I'll give you your room. I'm sorry. No, I'm, no, no, just, no. I'm just I'm, making the notion. Yeah. Like, yeah. literally just bollying here. Yeah. Of all the recent Marvel films, and we can include the X-Men films in this, how many films have actually had a love interest relationship that has worked out and, and, and been interesting during a course of a single film or multiple films? The only one I can think of that I thought was actually done really well uh, was in the first Captain America film between Captain America and Agent Carter, where I felt like that story actually worked for what that film was. Like, the Hulk and uh, Black Widow. Everything else is just <sighs> fan service love stories. Like it's Tony just... Stark, Pepper Potts? No, yeah. that, did, that didn't culminate They're not like in, a uh, love story, one. though. That's what, you know, the, yeah. the, the, those are it just, is, well, though. they weren't... What, it, yes it, and no. I guess. Like, like, it is a love story in Iron Man 3 as he's, like, trying to get her away from... Uh, the Mandarin and that kind of thing. It's like a more tame version of uh, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, where there's no like BDSM, where it's just like the the secretary like falls in love with her boss. Yeah, I guess. So, it, w- would you guys agree or disagree? Just so I'm clear, that this is like the first prominent love story in a Marvel movie, like where that was part of the like main narrative of what's happening of a I mean, Marvel film. That's that's, that's that's Deadpool's literally only, I would say, yes. momentum as to what he's doing. He's not trying to save the world; he's trying to save his girl. Yeah, I mean, in terms of that being the crux of the <laughs> entire story, right? Um, yeah, I probably right. I probably agree with that. And that's why I'm saying as far as when they said this is a love story, I, I believe it as far as, like, I, I don't think it is tongue-in-cheek. I think he's 
dead serious. Um, dead serious. <laughs> a lot of dead puns coming your way. Um, dead on arrival. But if that's the case, this is a very weak love story because, A, they spend most of their time apart, uh, which I'm not saying is like uh, some kind of cardinal sin, but we don't. I'm just saying, you, you only got 90 minutes to build up your love story. If if you can't even have your character, because he's so horribly disfigured, talk to your love interest all the way until the third act uh, after their meet-cutes. Um, what about Hunchback of Notre Dame? Well, that's a that's a cartoon. It's a much different thing. <laughs> I, I don't know, but I I don't. We can discuss the Hunchback of Notre Dame, but we have the Hunchback of Notre Dame okay. uh, episode. Um, but I'm just saying, in this particular movie, it doesn't really work when all we really get is Ryan Reynolds stalking her the whole movie, um, and not just that, but like um, once again falling into what I consider misogynistic dribble uh, as to how Marina Baccarin's character is portrayed, so she's a stripper with a heart of gold. Uh, but she's got problems, and that's what makes them sync up. I know, and they kept saying that over and over. It's like I made you in a computer. <laughs> yeah, that was something. Uh, I don't know if that was like romantic or like frightening. It was more uh, tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, if that's tongue-in-cheek, then I got blood all over my mouth because I keep biting down. Damn. It's just not pleasant at all. Damn. Um, so, okay, first then, just putting those two things, I think what this movie ultimately is, above everything, is a comedy. Like, that's yeah. the thing it is primarily concerned with, is yep. uh, making jokes, making them every five fucking seconds, <laughs> whether mm-hmm. you're on board or not, which is fine. Uh, and I think that's its ultimate true test of the movie. Like, I don't know about anybody walked away. Well, that's not true. I've seen quite a few people uh, walk away from this and say that every part of it was great and, like, this actually was grounded or down to earth or whatever. Um, I disagree with that. But like, that's, I think the true, I would say test of whether you like Deadpool or not is whether you find it funny. I want to know what world they live in. If this is down to earth, because it sounds like simultaneously awesome and fucking horrifying. I agree. Yeah. I mean, when we walked out of the theater, I heard two dudes walking behind us and you know what? That's a big group of people who really like this film. And there's, that that's just this is made for people. They came opening night, man. Well, this is made for people to go to the theater and enjoy the film. Two dudes walking behind us, and one of them saying, "Oh my god, that was the best film I've seen in a long, long time." Like, was it better than Star Wars? Like, dude, way better. Yeah. <laughs> that is an opinion, they, and they might have a. a... Never mind. No, what? It's like, wow. a, it's like a goldfish memory when it comes to like movies. Like it's always like one, say, chasing one high to the next. Th- there are some people who, and I'm not like saying this in a pejorative, but like, yeah. like the last movie they saw is like the best movie they saw, <laughs> right? Because, and that's totally fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, but as a comedy, this movie did not work for me at all because I would say I laughed at like four to five jokes, and that is as you two can attest to is not a high ratio considering how many jokes are in this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. and I give it credit for that as far as it is from the opening credits to the to the end credits stinger, you know, whatever. This is just completely mm. stitched wall to wall with jokes. Um, I might have tolerated the jokes a little more had the movie not been self-reflexive. And now here's the thing. I know that Deadpool, the comics, is self-reflexive, so yeah. I wouldn't want it to be different than what it was. Mm-hmm. So... Therefore, we have to do, for me, one of two things. We either have to <laughs> we we have to throw away that crux because I don't think these two writers uh, were the writers to actually, I don't know, do it well. Or B, you, you have to get rid of it because you this, – and this does, for me, the cardinal sin of meta humor, which is completely unself-aware 
of what you should be self-aware about. This is a movie like Kingsman that keeps reminding his audience that it's not Thing A. We're not like that movie. And all it ever does is fall into the trappings of Thing A. I mean, uh, you know, just like Kingsman had its villain say, this isn't your average Bond movie. You sure? Uh, and then okay. just kept doing that yeah. over and over and over. This is the same thing here. And we have... We have this movie constantly reminding ourselves two things, which is, A, that we're watching a Marvel movie. I mean, the opening credits gag, which I thought was really stupid, um, where we have, instead of an actual opening credits, we have, like, stand-ins jokes. It's like uh, Ryan Reynolds, instead of just saying his name, it says God's Gift to Humanity or something, Mm -hmm. you know, written by tools. Or actually, no, they were – the writers were the – I think they were the only positive credit or something like that. Yeah. Wasn't it, like, written by, like – Two awesome dudes or something. Yeah, or something like that. But everybody else, like, financed by, you know, overpaid tools or directed Mm -hmm. by or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Which, another thing, that's a great point that people are bringing up. Like, how did this, how is this a first-time director? Like, who is Marvel just giving away movies to? Actually, he's uh, apparently, he's been at the heart of the Marvel Cinematic Universe for a long time, just in the, the background, where I think he actually helped to direct, um, test footage, like, um, CGI test footage to sell the original Iron Man <laughs> to sell that like that was that uh, actually okay that makes a lot of sense because this movie always felt like test footage this movie felt mm-hmm. like the first draft of a movie I would be interested in and beca- and I feel like every joke that's in this movie was a first draft joke like they wrote it and then they never looked back and they never once thought is this literally like the funniest way we could just, you know tweak this joke or phrase this whatever um but you cannot uh, it's just every time i wanted to get on board it had to remind me what i was watching and every time it kept reminding me that i wasn't watching this you know your average superhero movie um yeah i was in fact i found it not just your average like your average superhero movie i found it worse than your average superhero movie because uh it 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 doesn't use that self-awareness like you know i'd rather have a ignorant bad movie than a movie that continually reminds me uh, how stupid it is. He was the co-founder of Blur Studio, a visual effects animation and design company, and he also directed the opening sequences for The Girl, the Dragon Tattoo, and Thor, the Dark World. But that this is technically his first, like... It's his, his first movie. It's his first film. So like, saying, when we're like talking start. about the title sequence, I think that that's more of like... I guess that's his baby, if there's anything in this. Yeah. That's his baby. Um, yeah, I was just making that comment because yeah. I just find it very interesting that, like, Marvel does not like to, as far as, like, diversity in filmmaking, like, we'll yeah. just hand this off to somebody who's never made a movie before, mm. uh, but we won't, like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, I just found it completely unfunny and, uh, so blissfully unaware of its own shortcomings, yeah. uh, despite the fact that it was being sold as a self-aware movie, and I think that's, like... For me, it came off as insulting uh, his audience. Like you're too stupid if you like if if you're gonna go along with this because we're not like those movies. And I can see people like you said earlier, Alex, like slapping their knees and it's like, yeah, you're right. You're not like every other superhero movie. And I just thought that so demeaning and just insulting to anybody who had to sit in that theater to watch it. I I just thought it was awful. Okay, so, so that's a little bit different than, yeah. than Alex's. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you don't mind if I jump in really quickly to stop before you, okay, yeah, you go into your whole spiel, whatever it is. Yeah. You know, I I feel like the disconnect with with what we're talking about here is you had a very much different opinion than I did of what the film is, and I don't know, like I I just feel like why I see this film differently than you is I 
you know, I was one of those people who enjoyed watching this film. Like, I, That's not a problem. You have to remember oh. that everything I say is about how I believe the film perceives its audience, not how its audience perceives the film. Those no. are two completely different things. I mean, so. but the, I think the difference where, where I'm sitting is is that I feel like this film, being self-aware of what it is, is being self-aware about being a superhero film not necessarily being self-aware about it being a deep story. Like, like the, this is trying to be a stupid superhero film, and it is very much mm. aware that it is a stupid superhero no, film. No, no. I think it's supposed to be like a... Uh, at least I, the way it came off to me was, look at how clever I am. Mm. But that's where that self-awareness started to just jab at my side every time it came out. I mean, we have... Uh, like that opening credits gag. Let's just break that down apart for a second. Um, for example... There there are moments in there, like I say, like a hot chick, which is both not that funny and, once again, just indicative of the problematic... An egregious cameo. Yeah, no, no, a gratuitous cameo. Gratuitous cameo. Where was that gratuitous cameo? So it's just like we have these empty jokes. It was that, a hura. It, it was what? Who? The, the black woman, the blind black woman. She's a hura from uh, Star Trek. She is? No, yeah. I think it was Stan Lee, man. I have to... I was going to say, I think it was Stan Lee as far as what I thought it was. Uhura is like the actual, like, like, you know know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, but I I don't don't think anybody would have ever made that connection, to be honest with you. I did. Well, it's fine, but... Wait, so who is, just so I know, who is Uhura? Uh, Uhura is... She is uh, who Zoe Saldana plays in the Star Trek, the new Star Trek films? Yeah. Right. So she's, she's that character? In the old Star Trek movies and TV shows. Nichelle Nichols. That's the that's the woman who She's plays the blind woman in yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I know who that is. I'm saying like that was supposed to be. No, there was not. No, that's the same woman who plays it. It's right. Like, it's that like, was that was not. Oh, the you're talking about like a cameo, like by an actress. Yeah. Not like that was okay. okay. When you said she was a hero from Star Trek, I thought you meant like that she was <laughs> that character in this movie. No. And I'm like, yeah. whoa, wait, what is no. that? Okay. No, I guess I, I, I guess I'm confusing the, the the strict definition of a cameo because I saw that as more of like a that that person was cast derib- de- like deliberately in that role because of who she is, not what she could do. No, and that makes. And I don't mean a, to say that as an, as a derivative thing. I'm saying that that's kind of like an attaché to the film itself. No, and cameo can mean either way. I yeah. just like I was thinking you meant that she was that character. No. I'm like what is Beam that me happening, up, Scotty? Yeah. Anyway, I'm like, okay. At least now we're all on the same page. Again. <laughs> um, but but it's little things like that. Like I kept thinking that that was going to mean that we were going to see an actual X Men that isn't uh, underpaid X Men like the, uh, the Colossus two, and yeah. whatever her name is. People yeah. we've never seen Emo on, girl. Uh, on and, the screen before. Yeah. Colossus shows up in earlier X Men films. Yeah, and he's a, a different person. But that's yeah, a different continuity, yeah. so it doesn't count. Okay. Well, he says in this movie that the continuity is so confusing, McAvoy or uh, Stewart. Yeah. Right. Um, in fact, that's actually another joke that just even more, like, it's not just that I'm not laughing, but you're only reminding me of how much better this could have been if, like, this respected. But when he shows up to the uh, Xavier Academy and he makes the joke about how, oh, man, there's nobody, like, walking around. Does that mean we couldn't afford another actor? Like, that's funny, but I... Well, actually, I don't find it that funny. Like, like it's a joke, but um, you're only, sh- I would say, casting light on what could have been instead of, like, what you actually have because I just, I don't know. I think it's really poking, I, I interpret that as poking fun at the very visible, like, barriers that we as movie-going audiences, like, we, like, we suspend our disbelief 
It's poking at our suspension of disbelief for the simple fact that it's like, okay, only these two characters could be in it. And first off, there's another thing that, that suspends my disbelief, and it's not even like something that's inherent in Deadpool, but it's when Colossus and Negasonic Teenage Warhead or whatever go into the fucking like uh, X-Wing or whatever, and they lift off, and I'm just like, I never thought of this until now, but... Who the fuck would not have seen that fucking X-Wing come out of the fucking house with no cloaking device on? Who? What do you have underneath your house? Anyway, sorry. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I hate to sound like Kenny here as, as on previous episodes, but with, with, with the part about the, the X-Men house, like I think you guys, for me at least personally, are looking a little too deep in, into that. Like I feel like it was a self-aware joke yeah almost like a that's what i'm saying and i know you will say that that is not as smart as this but i feel like it was almost like a like a craig ferguson joke who'd make on his show where he's poking fun at his own 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 franchise because of how how little money they had to actually use characters or bring in actors who Mm -hmm. play like they didn't have money to bring halle berry into play storm or hugh jackman to be wolverine or anything like that and yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it's not a extremely well put together script, but at the same time, this movie was lucky to be made. Well, y- yeah, I guess, but it was. I think it's just showing that a film that is trying to be funny and poke fun at itself can do that because I a lot of people, including myself, enjoyed a lot of the jokes that you were talking about that didn't yeah, land for you. That, so that's totally fine. I, yeah. When you're comparing it to Craig Ferguson, that's actually a good comparison because the the chief difference as to why like something like this doesn't land for me is that something like Craig Ferguson, he actually is marginalized on his in on his network and whatnot. And I get that Deadpool himself, like the the, the property is not some kind of flagship Marvel character and it never well, maybe it will be now, but it was never planned to be or anything like that. But the, the the difference still is a you know a whatever. I mean, the, what's the budget for Deadpool? It's not like they were. It's not an independent movie. They, it, it, it's up to Marvel to front this money, and I. So you at certain point jokes about like what they could or could not get away with or could not could not do is really irrelevant because they could do something better than what they did. You know, they they have resources and. Um, and that's just such a little thing anyway. Just, that, that just to throw yeah. a comparison out for you, in 2009, the Watchmen film was made for $130 million. And in 2016, this film was made as a superhero film for $58 million. It was made for 58 mm. oh, yeah, Okay, yeah, that is much lower than I thought. Mm. Uh, but uh, then I think... <laughs> Then that, I think that's what I saw then a fifty eight fifty-eight million dollar superhero dollar movie. Yeah. But no, but you know, it's uh okay, and that's I mean I could I, I thought, spent it all on the costume. Well, I mean I didn't think any of the actual spectacle was that good either. Like yeah. I, I didn't think the action scenes uh I mean, Gino this... Carano's boob popping out and go, Oh my god, thank you so much for telling me like, you know, whatever. Um yeah, I guess that actually that only shed light on what I thought about this movie, which is yeah, it it I guess they didn't have as much money, so maybe I should retract that. Uh, but <laughs> then why make it? I, you know, I just, just mm. because this is Marvel wanting to make a film that a lot of people wanted to have made, which, obviously, and and I hope they're happy, and I, I'm sure they are. <laughs> All right, Tucson, we've we've stepped on your dick a little bit here, so why don't you go <laughs> ahead and why don't you give your thoughts? As I know, even though you, I don't necessarily know if you have a opinion as right. far one way. 
or the other is Mayor Nick, I know you have a lot of opinions on this film. All right. Both of you just get off my dick, okay? <laughs> get, get your cleats off my dick, all right? Whoa. Um, so big. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so just to, to break roundtable like, etiquette, it was just like I elected before the podcast started to go last because I feel like, especially going off of our initial reactions, like I was stratified between the two of you. And I think that's for a very good reason. And I feel like with, you. with all the things that I feel about this film because I feel like I am – I am torn between three different like sentiments about it. Like I, I elect to take up the mantle of both the devil's advocate and the chief executioner of this film. Like I am, I am ready to defend it and to, and to bury it at the same time. So before I start, I just want to ask uh, both of you just a quick informal question. Um, like Alex, you said that you're a, a pretty ardent like superhero fan, if not of comics, but of superheroes. And Nick, you've said that you—that's really not your your genre of taste or anything. I want to ask you how familiar before this film was announced were you with the character of Deadpool? Uh, I would say very little. The Mar- only marginally like six percent. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this: the only real um, involvement I had with the character is I did take the time to look into the actual comic version of Deadpool. Mm-hmm. After the X-Men Wolverine's Origins film came out where Ryan Reynolds played the character because I heard from so many people following that that it was a complete disaster comparatively of that character to uh, the actual Deadpool character, Hmm. mainly because... I think that film somewhat got Wade Wilson a little bit more correct because if you watch the earlier scenes in X-Men Origins Wolverine, uh, Wade Wilson is a... It's not as vulgar as he is in this film because it's a PG-13 film about Wolverine. Yeah. But he is playing that same kind of smart-ass character. But they completely changed the actual superhero version of the character in that film as he had all these these powers that he doesn't have and they like changed the origin of his character because he was a pool of all these different X-Men powers, which was total bullshit. Yeah. But, but it's right there in the name, Deadpool. Uh-huh. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, I actually looked more up about him, but I had no involvement in terms of reading comics or looking deep okay. into his mythology or anything like that. I just knew a little more about what the character should have been following that debacle in 2008. All right. Sounds good. And Nick? You're... I did not even know. I've never even seen X-Men Wolverine uh, Origins to this day. So yeah. I, until this you don't was need announced, to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> until this was announced, I, I didn't even know who Deadpool was. Okay. So now I'm going to launch into my treatise on Deadpool. Okay. Please. Okay. <laughs> All right, so you, okay? you, you guys have – I'm just trying to get, get my thoughts out, okay? okay? So Deadpool as a character was created in 1991 by Rob Liefeld, who is like a, a well-known uh, comic book writer for the X-Men and also is known for a lot of exaggerated like storylines and other stuff like that. And the reason why he created in 91 is because – it was a counterpoint to a very dominant, almost uh, saccharine sentiment among superheroes. Deadpool was actually premiered as a villain, and it was hired in order to kill a character known as Cable, who will show up in the next film that was mentioned in this one, and kill the X-Men. And eventually he launched into his own uh, standalone series in 1997, where he was a character that was very much known for breaking every single like unspoken rule of comic books at the time. Characters are not supposed to be self-aware. Characters are not supposed to curse. Characters are not supposed to have sex, like or anything like that. Or 
like straight up murder the exactly. main villain at the end of the story. <laughs> exactly. They're not supposed to do that. And Deadpool pretty much was created as a as a as a D tier character in order to pretty much like give the finger to that and knowing that like it would not suffer a consequence for you could you could still dip into the X Men universe. You could still tip, dip into the Marvel universe, but Deadpool kind of like occupied his own little like crazy Looney Tunes like corner of the Marvel universe, okay? And where Deadpool kind of like grew as a character out of that is that he's not Deadpool in 97 is not the same Deadpool that we know now. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. It's because of the internet. Because Deadpool is not a comic book character. Deadpool is not even a movie character. Deadpool is a meme. And like all memes, it has a decay rate of like at least 3 months, but somehow I don't know why it's just continued to go on. Deadpool is a relic of a time when we could, when somebody could still get away with like lobbying a, a homophobic slur in public and would not be like denounced for it. That's it's it's a relic from that sort of time. It's vulgar. It's self-aware. It does not give a fuck, and people love it for that. At the same time, I'm not saying that it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that it is very much the 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 aesthetic speculative child of that sentiment of that time of, of the completely don't give a fuck attitude and people love it and people hate it. It's, it's, it's simple as that. But in relation to this films, like I'm just going to round it back and I don't want to be, I don't want to be up my own ass, but I feel like I have to use this quote from Victor Hugo, who's a French author who wrote Les Miserables and he wrote Hunchback of Notre Dame. And he said, nothing don't laugh at me. Nothing is stronger than an idea whose time has come. And if that's the case, then nothing is more disheartening for an idea whose time has come and gone and is late to its own party. And that's how I feel about Deadpool. Because Deadpool is a film that has been in development hell for over 10 years. And I just want to like uh, dip for a second and talk about like what kinds of superhero films were out at the time of like 2004. Just, just as a, a, a quick close-up, okay? So we're talking about Spider-Man 2. We're talking about Incredibles. We're talking about Hellboy. We're talking about fucking Catwoman. And we're talking about The Punisher. That was the climate of superhero films at the time. Marvel Cinematic Universe was just becoming nascent. Like uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman-like trilogy. The Dark Knight trilogy was just ramping up. It was a very different time where people were trying to find their legs of what they wanted to do. And I, I personally feel in my argument... That Deadpool is to this recent niche of of subversive, tongue-in-cheek, maximalistic, like self-aware superhero superhero like deconstructions <laughs> as Jodorowsky's Dune was to the 1970 like occurrence of like space operas up until now. The only difference between Jodorowsky's Dune and there are many differences between <laughs> Jodorowsky's Dune and say. and Deadpool is that Deadpool actually happened eventually. And it suffers for that, for being staggered at the, at, the, at the starting line when so many people, so many other films that were supposed to be its brood ended up like surpassing it. The only reason why we talk about Kick-Ass in, 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 in deference to Kick-Ass when it came out over, over Deadpool is for one simple reason. And, it's, and it goes back to the very origin of this character as being a Marvel character. They did not want to make a Deadpool film simply because he was a D-tier character. That's part of his origin. It was written to his very existence. Why Mark Miller got to make Kick-Ass is because 
Kickass is a separate entity. It is a closed system. If Kickass, if Kickass rises or falls, it's not going to fucking fucking drag down Spider Man. It's not going to drag down the Incredibles. It's not going to drag down anything else. That's the reason why it got made, and the reason why, like, I even went back to an interview with Mark Miller, and he said is like. And and they were kind of like championing it on on Variety, saying is like is Kickass like a, a precursor to what the new wave of like superhero films is going to be? And, and of course he's being cocky about it. He's like, yeah, it totally is because like like they're more willing to like do independent projects that are willing to like be more subversive and on the wall than they are than they are to willing to fund B or C tier like superheroes and give them a major budget because they have more to lose for those sorts of things and that. You have no idea how much that frustrates the hell out of me because I feel like I – when I'm watching this film, I'm seeing it through three different angles. I'm seeing it as a general moviegoer. I'm seeing it as somebody who is is I'm, – I'm very well up on my, on my comic book films. Like I'm very well up on just comic book stuff in general. It comes with just being a pop culture enthusiast and I'm going at it as a, as a admittedly fair weather um, enthusiast of Deadpool and – all these different estimations of that film, like my ratings as these three people are just fighting one another. Like one will think it's a four out of five film. Another one will think it's like a like a low low tier three film. Another one thinks it's like a one. And I'm not saying that respective to whether it's Deadpool or Movie Go or anything. I'm not going to tell you what that is. Um, I'm going to give you my rating at the end of this 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 um, this this review. But the fact is, is that that. That frustrates the hell out of me that the quality of this film suffers for factors that are not entirely up to its own like that are, that are not entirely its own fault. This film was staggered just because studios did not want to give like credence to it. They didn't want to give it the room to try and do something different. And also because of that abysmal like X Men Origin Wolverine film, like that's why it took so long to make this film. People wanted. Deadpool to come out and and it, it's com- it's kind of like coming out in the same way that like I want to make a video game reference here and I'm going to explain it. It's like it's, it came out in the same way that Duke Nukem Forever came out, where it took over ten years to make and it was an absolute shit tier game. People still say that it was good because they delude themselves because they cannot believe that they waited over ten years for this fucking video game from 3D realms because they are busy just like jacking off and eating Cheetos and playing World of Warcraft and shit. And it's the same way with Deadpool. Like, you can either love it or hate it, and it's like there's things to like about it, there's things to absolutely hate about it, but really your mileage may vary. Like, with me, I just I, – I don't know how to how to, 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 to put it all together. It's, it, it's hard for me to do that because I feel like I have to preface my opinion with this story because, like, it's <laughs> – there's so many people who don't know about Deadpool. They don't know about the history about this film and its, and its, and its, and its canonicity. In as as the as the the, the but, secret forebearer to this entire thing, and I just want to mention one last thing to cap off my, my my summary. James Gunn, the director of Super, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, who I think I, and I I don't think I'm wrong in this is that I think he's also one of those torchbearers of like a subversive like sort of like third tier like superhero like aesthetic and stuff like that. He's talking about like the wrong kind of lessons that. Um, 
studios are going to learn from Deadpool. They're going to think like, oh man, it's like it was like this and this and this and this, trying to like distill it down to a uh, a formula of ingredients. When really he's saying, he's just telling them to shut the fuck up and let people make subversive original films, no matter whether or not they're good or not, because you don't know. Like they're so out of touch with what audiences really want because they they lowballed this film for its budget with a what was it again a 58 yeah 58 million Million. 58 million and how much fucking money did it make back domestically it made 132 million the first week 132 million during its first weekend like it's just spread by word of mouth and people just go to see it obviously a lot of that is owed to i was gonna say to be fair that marketing campaign was Way more aggressive exactly. than I've seen any Marvel. Exactly, and it, uh, and it gets me. It gets campaign. me worried that like, um, like when they get to Deadpool two, eventually, like, how many references are they going to run out of before they just like it, eventually? I have no idea what the fuck they're going to do. Well, um, but yeah, sorry, go ahead and finish. But just like going off the whole James Gunn thing, like I, I echo his sentiment, but at the same time, like again, stratified between two different extremes, is that I hope that Hollywood learns these lessons. But in the internal universe of Marvel, there is at least one scene in particular, and I'm talking about the finale, and we'll, we'll get to that, that in time, that really opened my eyes, and I was just like, holy shit, this could have like major ramifications for the entire like Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about X-Men and the MCU. Right. So I will I will get back to yeah, that later. See, people have been just like you are kind of losing their mind over that where I feel like that was more of a over what? I have no idea uh, what we're talking can about. I, can I mention it? Over the um flying submarine, whatever it's It's called. not the flying submarine. It's like the 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 finale of the the film when Colossus and Negasonic teenager and Deadpool are walking to kill Ajax or whatever yeah. and they stop in the junkyard. What where does the finale take place? What does the finale take place on? It takes place on a helicarrier. Right. The flying submarine. The helicarrier, <laughs> which is made by S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. From the MCU. Okay. So what the fuck is that doing I, I, in an I, X-Men I, continuity film? I think, I, I think it's there, first of all. You saw, like... It, Captain America Winter Soldier. It, it happens yeah. to be a helicarrier. At the same time, though, I mean, I, I think... The reason that it's there is to have people like yourself have these conversations. Like, there is not going to be a melding between the X Men universe and the Marvel universe. It's With not. It's one. Not, it's not going to C tier character that nobody gives a fuck about. Right, but uh, again, I, I really don't think there's any. There's any more that's going to happen with this other than what it's showing you. Like, I, I, like, I know, I, I understand, like that 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 impression, I can I can totally understand that. And if I wasn't an optimist that I am, then I probably would share it. But I like to think that this, that even the hint of that, whether it bears reality or not, may help to, I I don't know, like. Put a spark under the ass of the homogeny that that the MCU has 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 kind of like sunk itself into. Even if it's not like you, you could have like a better like ambassador than Deadpool. Absolutely, you could probably have a better film than than Deadpool. Absolutely, but if this forces like to forces MCU films to like move a little bit away from the formula, even an inch to the left, 
and start doing some weird shit, then I'll be happy. I well, want a Doctor Strange film that will freak me the fuck out. I think it's probably too late on that one because they've already made it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> let, let's go. Let's go with that for a minute because this is something I wanted to bring up for sure, and that is this film, which is very much an R-rated film. Uh, it was very successful its opening weekend, as we mentioned already, 132 million domestically, a lot more overseas even, which is kind of surprising a little bit that it did so well as well, not in the U.S. I will say, I, I feel like I'm optimistic that this was the first example of an R-rated film like this that is pretty much made for, let's say, not made for teenagers, but made for sort of that demographic uh, being successful to the point where you're going to make a large profit on this film if you are the studio. I just I really hope that this spawns a few more films to not feel like they are shackled by having to have a PG-13 rate. I know it's not going to make like a seismic shift in the way that films are made. However, if we get a Wolverine that's rated R or something which like that... Which we were that, supposed to get the first time around. And which now is, it sounds like that actually may happen. Right. Like, which is crazy. Like, um, just... I'm, I'm sorry. As like, it's okay. For, for the relationship between Deadpool and, and Wolverine, both in and out of the comics, both in the films and the comics, like, just in the comic... Just, just in the... The comic universe, going back to the origin of Deadpool, like the reason why I think that so many jokes were made at at Wolverine's expense, besides his original inclusion in X Men Wolverine Origins, was because like Deadpool was in the original comics part of a program called Weapon X, which he shared. He he was a comrade of Wolverine. I, I was going to say that's where the origin story in this film was a total fucking flop for me because. Yeah. I know Deadpool's actual origin is mm-hmm. he's cut from the same cloth as Wolverine is yeah. in terms of not that he has the same – well, he does have very See, that, similar powers, <laughs> but he's made in the same way that Wolverine is made. That's and, very funny because of the fact that as someone who knows nothing about Deadpool, uh, especially before watching this movie, all I kept thinking of was like, wow, it's kind of like a knockoff of Wolverine's powers, but apparently they weren't from the same place. So it's just kind of – not yeah. a knockoff, but as far as like Wolverine can heal himself and yeah. right. he – uh, and then for them to never, since they're both X Men, to like, but yeah. apparently there is like a connection outside of the movie. And there is, yeah. and and that's the thing is, even though I'm not you know, way up to date on everything with Deadpool and Neither his origin, I. I feel you can't like be. his origin story in this film, I feel like was kind of kind of weak. Like, I, and not that origin stories have been great in superhero films lately at all. I mean, we get an origin story for Ulysses Claw. It's thrown in in three minutes in Avengers Age of Ultron. And then it's like, ah, oh, fuck. Do we really need to rush this like this? I mean, can we have a real whatever? Um, I just, I, I like the idea uh, of keeping the same origin story for, for Deadpool if they would have done that. I wish they would. But going back to the R rating uh, thing I was talking about. I just want to see a few more studios feel like they don't have to be always hampered by that. Like, we've seen films that get watered down. Nick, you brought it up that maybe this will be a a possibility that Suicide Squad will switch and become an R-rated film, which isn't going to happen probably. But, man, it would be awesome if we could see that because that is definitely a film that looks like it could be rated R and the people would still go and see it. And I just – I want – filmmakers and studios to look at this and and see that you can still have a successful film that has an R rating. Like that can still be something that happens and you're not going to lose all your money because you didn't water down your, your entire film. I think that like, 
I want to, I want to agree with that. And I want like more R-rated films. I, I don't, I don't mean that to say, to sound raunchy, but I want more films. More nudity. No, not like that. I want more films that are w- willing to like dig deep and like do some weird shit. And it's like, I, I, I like weird films, but like, I don't know how, how likely that's going to be. They're, they're going to, right. they're going to ride this wave. They're going to ride this wave until they create a shit film and then they're going to just like jump off onto the next one. Well, if there's another B movie, they'll make a bunch of fucking B movies just because. Here, here's, here's a question uh, for both of you guys just yeah. because this is – it's an area that is is kind of not the same kind of film but a, a film that is – was I think some parts of Deadpool were modeled after this film. We even brought up James Gunn earlier, mm-hmm. which is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. What if the second Guardians of the Galaxy film is an R-rated film? Not that it's going to be, but what if it is? I think that would be stupid. Okay. Only because I, I, I don't when I watched Guardians of the Galaxy, I thought that was proof positive that you can be subversive without telling dick jokes. I mean, there's she, some. She should take a a a, a, a black light to this to the ship. Right. Look like a Jackson Pollock film. Like Ugh. that's the thing is like you can still get away with some pretty adult humor and not yeah. have to like say like oh there's cum on the walls or something. Mommy, uh, what does that mean? It's like I'm not going to tell you. Right, and so that's why I feel like that would kind of ruin the uh, the aesthetics and the charm of Guardians of the Galaxy uh, because it really felt like a like you know like a real I don't know a blockbuster for a generation who who didn't have Star Wars. Like it's, what we were it's able about. to push that line without. <laughs> Overtly breaking it. Yeah. Um, but as far as, like, other R-rated superhero movies, like, I absolutely would love to see uh, uh, the third. I call it, they keep calling it the third Wolverine movie. I call it the second Wolverine yeah. movie. Um, and how that <laughs> the, was... the last one was a do-over. <laughs> yeah. And then this is the yeah the actual second, final, final Wolverine yeah, we'll film. Yeah. But it's supposed to be the final. And, mm-hmm. and how this weekend, uh, which we all can assume that... What's basically what's happened is history is repeating itself with the Wolverine, which is that the 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 one that came out directed by James Mangold, uh, twenty thirteen, that was made with an R rating in mind. Like even back then, MMA Studios got you know uh, nervous and said, "Nope, just cut out every instance of blood and the F word and all that kind of stuff." Mm-hmm. And, and luckily, that cut still survives uh, to this day because you can buy it on the Blu Ray or whatever. And I actually rewatched it after watching. Uh, well, actually, I watched it because I had never seen the R rated version all the way through or whatnot. Okay, and I quite enjoyed it. Hmm. Um, but I think that's what's happening with this next Wolverine movie. But the good news is it hasn't really been like the, the production hasn't started yet. So, or if it has, it's about to start. So there's still enough time to really. I'm not that I say go all out like and have like Hugh Jackman's dick on a table or something. Right, right, <laughs> twenty twenty f bombs into the yeah, script for no like reason. That. But at least like from the moment they from the word go, they don't have to worry about like. Well, should we even film it this way if they're just going to cut it down? Like, at least Deadpool has opened, I would say, that floodgate, hopefully, and alleviated some of those fears. Um, but I don't know if, like, existing properties that aren't, you know, because then I feel like then that's just getting weird. It'd be like if we had an Iron Man movie. And even though I would completely believe Tony Stark saying the F word, I don't know that I need him to say it. No, and, and, and I feel like I want to make that clear that I, I don't want this to every film to try to make an R-rated film. Like I, I want films that are made that are hampered by that. Like a perfect example would be the RoboCop remake that was watered down because they wanted to make it for people to go see. I really did like that film, but I would like to see that film with an R rating as RoboCop is supposed to be made with. Yeah. There's supposed to be a dark undercurrent to that movie. Yeah. And And not like to sell toys. And if studios, (laughs) 
Yeah, it's I, I love that the commercial uh, of the toys fighting each other from RoboCop. <laughs> Fight him, and I'm like, you know that like these are horrible like characters and kid whatever. Yeah, but I want to see those films not just fall, you know, fall at the goal line and be like, ah, no one will go see it if it's an R rating, and yeah. people still didn't go see it with a PG-13 rating. So way to go, guys. Yeah, but yeah, I I'm hopeful that at least this will push some studios past that barrier of oh we can't make it our rating because no one will go see it and the one thing i'm glad about i would say deadpool existing mm-hmm. <laughs> the one thing is that um like it is hard r like i would you know there's like the the f word the not just the f word but you know terms that you would barely hear in your average i would say r-rated action movie just not superhero even but just you know whatever deadpool says it all and that's kind of part yeah. of, and that's kind of part of part of why it wore thin on me it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know it loses its bite after a while um and uh but at least we did not just make a successful r-rated movie but we made one that basically like you know went through the checklist of what you can say and still make a, a successful box office hit so i'm glad that it's not like it was like a soft r and then we're like well we still have to model it after that so we won't go too crazy like deadpool did go crazy and therefore mm-hmm. it it would give but having said that, can I bring it back to the, the movie itself? Yeah, absolutely. We should be <laughs> doing that. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to say about the R rating of Deadpool is that this was a weird, I don't know, form of cognitive dissonance for me where like as I'm watching it, I keep thinking like, oh, wow, they you know they said this in an, R, in an R-rated Marvel superhero movie. They said that, whatever. And yet I found it really tame. Uh like it, it, maybe it's over. I feel that. Or the, maybe it's oversaturation. It's like, oversaturation because, like, how many? There's no. There's no peaks and valleys. Right. There, there are no lulls and there are no crescendos. Yeah. There is only a a tepid like streamline of like, oh man, it was just like it's like I made you in a computer. Oh man, it's like. Professor X is like the guy from Heaven's Gate, which I actually laughed at. Oh man, it's like shit. I left my weapons in the car. It's like, oh man, you can see her boob. Oh man, it's like right. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but going with like the profanity and like that kind of, especially I would say it goes double for me at least uh, for the violence too. Uh, I thought this was a weirdly sanitized violent movie like there are moments when on paper very violent things are happening that have never really happened in a marvel superhero movie like, ever. like, like someone cutting their own arm off yeah like that or a beheadings uh, in fact i think there were like a three or four decapitations yeah. to reiterate um sanitized in the in the effect of not of how it compares to other films but how it compares to itself yeah that there are no ex- there are no extremes in yeah. this film and that it's kind of, it's kind of like I, I would say if there's so. if there's extremes there are extremes in this film rel- I'm going back to that there are extremes in this film relative to every other superhero film that's around it right now yeah. but in the context of itself yeah like what was more what was more shocking than any other moment of this film what 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 act of violence what joke was more like depraved or more extreme than in in the context of everything else around it. Yeah, I, I I guess I'll say that I don't think that there was anything that there wasn't a Samuel Jackson uh, hateful eight scene that was just like oh shit. That's like peaks they, and valleys, dude. No, but there yeah. have been other. Well, I, I guess, but I feel like this film keeps an even flow going throughout, which even. I, I don't necessarily think is really a bad thing. Like you guys are making it seem like it's 
this this horrible thing that does not goes against what films try to do, which I, I do think that films have peaks and valleys throughout, but this film I feel like keeps an even keel throughout the I guess entire. It's if not because- Deadpool's mo is to be abrasive and mm-hmm. to be in your face and shock you with its vulgarity and its violence. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by how little I was shocked by any of it, mm-hmm. and, and and I say that with an emphasis on the violence, maybe not on some of the vulgarity, but mm-hmm. like uh, a movie like Kickass is a movie I don't really like that much. I don't hate it or anything like that, and yet that movie when there's violence earns its violence to a point where I'm, like, uncomfortable at times in a way that it's intended. Like, it actually feels violent. And maybe this is because of, I don't know what Kick-Ass budget was, but maybe this has to do with the $58 million, you know, Deadpool budget where, like, every beheading felt like it was out of focus and every this just felt like it was CGI or whatever. But it's kind of like, even the beheadings, I mean, anybody who's seen a Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings movie has seen that before. By the time that I was halfway through the film, I had settled into the rhythm of this film and its story beats and its um, and its humor. And I'm not saying that as derisive, like, oh, it has story beats. Oh, it has humor. It's like, no, that's not what I'm, I'm getting. At. I'm saying that by the halfway mark, I wasn't like, oh, man, what's he going to do next? I was I was kind of expectant of like a certain tier of, of humor at a certain pace, at a certain rhythm, at a certain time. And I was never... For for a film that's supposed to be subversive, for a film that's supposed to knock me on my ass, like eventually I settled into a a comfortable acknowledgement that it's only going to get to this level. It's never going to go higher. It's never going to go lower. It's always going to sit right here throughout the entire film. Kick-Ass, by the way, was made for $30 million. Oh, so it's even less. So so that's what I mean as far as you don't even need money, I would say, to have a script or to present violence in a way that I would say – calls attention to itself because mm-hmm. I, I for example this is a really random thing to throw out there but i will just to kind of illustrate my stupid thought process but like nothing in this movie violence wise like surprised or shocked me in the same way that uh the very first x-men movie got me like as far as like violence happening uh got me with the moment of wolverine stabbing his claws through anna paquin's character uh right isn't that something that happens um, or am I thinking of a different there's something in that movie it's been a while I know that now I'm throwing out an example I can barely remember but wait I, what, what film are you talking about so the original X-Men doesn't he talk about the first X-Men film <coughs> and it, it gets gets weird because he does that I believe but yeah. then she like grabs him and right because she's got her power or whatever and becomes because yeah, she he, uses he her rogue. uses right. her she uses her mutant power to right. use his mutant power to heal after he's yeah right so i'm saying yeah. there's a very bloodless scene that i feel like in one moment was earns, more shocking yeah than anything that's happening in this movie which is doing more outlandish things i mean this i, I feel like and that's it what i mean peak. by first draft yeah, but like I, they, they wrote beheading here and then they just you know created it instead of like like actually trying to like I would say convey what a depraved soul Deadpool like would but have to I, be. I, I don't think and I this is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. Like I, I really don't think this film is going for trying to do shocking violence. I think it's Really? Yeah. Like the whole movie keeps I mean from from his self reflexive tone of how this is your R rated superhero movie mm-hmm. yeah. and from its like v- emphasis on uh weapons, which mm-hmm. is not really a thing that's uh, in most superhero movies, other than like like Punisher. Blast, blasters or something yeah. like yeah. But that we can like this is totally a movie that's trying to like, but it happens within the context of the story. Like like he doesn't stop 
to have a weird, creepy Anakin Skywalker <coughs> using two lightsabers to cut off Count Dooku's head moment where it's it, it, it happens within the context of the story. Like he just walks around and shoots the twelve different bullets but off. The story. That, that, yeah, but but it's it's never trying to stop and call too much attention to any single moment. Like it, it goes exactly. Right, which I don't necessarily right. think is a bad thing. Like you guys are making it seem like it. They, I just they think should... that goes against the nature of what Deadpool is. And like, even if I'm someone who hasn't read the comics, I'm not even trying to speak of. But yeah. as far as the Deadpool they were trying to present to me, mm-hmm. uh, I don't feel like the filmmakers were making a movie in service of that. But Deadpool as a comic could not exist in a vacuum. It had to exist relative to other things inside of that. And you're talking about how like it's they're not trying to do that within the context of the film, but the context of the film itself. In the exact way that, that, that Deadpool is as a comics, like, Deadpool is not just, like, what happens in the film. It's also how it affects the audience. But there's never one moment in this film that necessarily, like you were saying, Toussaint, feels more important than the other when it comes to, like, a, other than the final scene where he kills the, the main villain. Like, all of the other people not even in the, the film. The... Are, well, all the, all the other people he kills in the film are really just pawns that are in his way going through there. And I feel like the violence in those scenes happens and then it's over and then we move on, which I feel like you don't have to have this great scene where someone's head flies off and water spurts out of their neck for but two and a half seconds following that happening. Like it happens, it's over and we move on. And I feel like there's really nothing that wrong. Alex, Alex, I, I, I'm going to have to disagree with you because Uh simply for the fact that you said that there's no like one scene that like really sticks out. Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of antithetical to an arc, isn't it? Like, yeah. like, like, like one scene that I can think of, like, not because it's notable to me, but just because of what its purpose was supposed to be as a turning point. And the fact that we haven't raised and that we aren't talking about it is the first fight that Deadpool has with Ajax after he gets his powers. He gets stabbed and he, he's, he's, there's this burning building that just falls around him. And the fact that that, Film, which is supposed to be the turning crux of his freedom, of his ability to go out into the, the open world, which set him on his path to become Deadpool. That turning point, the fact that that one scene is unexceptional compared to the other, like the the extremes of this entire film, I feel like reveals a weakness of that film. I agree. I mean, the violence is like trying to have sex with a flaccid dick. It's just, you know, <laughs> that is a Deadpool joke. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. Waka like, waka, chimichangas. <laughs> but I mean, that's it. It's like, yeah, you're using the right tools, but you're in no way actually standing your ground. Yeah, but even this film, like again, this is not. I don't think trying to be <laughs> a, a, a like. Even the Deadpool character doesn't have a traditional arc in terms of a film. Like he never learns anything by the end of this film. No, nope. he doesn't really. Fine. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he he just continues to be the same character he is throughout <laughs> the film, and it's it's enjoyable to me because I enjoyed what he was doing. Like mm-hmm. I thought his character was funny. I thought his character as a superhero was interesting. Because he's not trying to be something more or something less than he is. Like, he just happens to be yeah. this guy who becomes this and superhero, anti-hero, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. 
and he just continues on the same path throughout the entire film, learns nothing from it, doesn't grow as a person, doesn't become anything better or worse than he originally was. He just continues to be what this is, and I'm totally fine with that because it was see funny the sequel. and it was enjoyable. And to be clear, at least what I was uh, like, I wasn't really even talking about that. I was talking about just wow. the way violence is portrayed. I mean, that's where, uh, as far as my original criticism that started this new train of thought, is that, and that's a whole other, because like, then I, it, it response to that i would say that's actually a i would say a problem with the movie because you can have movies based around characters that quote unquote don't change or don't get you know inside lewis davis is one of my top five favorite movies of all time and that's quite literally about a person who is stuck uh, in his own repeated patterns but like you, you you can have a movie like that and yet i think the, as far as what you're responding to is, is I'm seeing the same thing. I'm just looking at it from a different side of the yeah. prism, which is that the movie has nothing new to say at any turn, and therefore it just got old very quick. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I didn't need this film to say anything new. I needed it to be what it was trying to be, and I just well, enjoyed watching it. Like, a, yeah. like this, okay. this, right. this, this movie isn't breaking any real new ground in, in terms of anything. This isn't doing anything that I haven't seen before. This it isn't is trying. And that, going and back to problem. it, and that, why, why and is, why is that a problem? That infuriates the shit out of me because of what I said about like kick-ass and the fact that Deadpool should be occupying the same role that kick-ass did. If only this one thing did not well, happen. Why does this film have because to break new ground? Everything I, I you just said, like all that uh-huh. is exactly what the film keeps telling the audience it's doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a self-reflexive thesis is that look at what we're doing. You've never seen anything like this. And so you just said that, it doesn't do anything different, and so and it's not a problem that you enjoyed or that you liked it or that you disagree with me. But yeah. it, that's those are the two dots that I'm connecting. As far as if a movie is continually telling its audience, look how different we are. Look how this is. Well, this a, is if if let, let's put that in a vacuum though for a second. Okay. We're saying this film is saying that it's doing something that's entirely different, and I I will agree with you that it does have that self awareness to it that it's trying to say it's doing things differently and. If we're just talking about in general, you are correct. This film is really doing nothing new, and I actually totally agree with that. Even even though it's not doing anything necessarily new, it's doing something well for me, and, and it's, it's it's enjoyable for when I'm watching it. However, what this film is doing that is different uh, is it is going up against what is been created in terms of how to make a superhero film and yes. what a superhero should be. It is doing something different than that because it is taking a character that would not exist in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is creating him, and it is letting him do what he wants to do almost unapologetically throughout an entire film, whether it be good or bad, funny or not funny, interesting or not interesting. The character is just there on the screen to be there for itself, self-serving, whatever. It is not trying to continue through with this grand plot of getting to Thanos with our 58 characters. It is just there for your entertainment, and I was entertained. Yeah, and going off of your point, like, it's not – it's existing in the precedent of prior superhero films, but also superhero films that aren't just the A-tier characters, but also the C-tier characters as well, like Kick-Ass and, like, like Super. And it's just like it's not breaking new ground because – it, I, I'll, I'll go back to it. It frustrates the hell out of me because this really is the fucking Jodorowsky's Dune of this entire trend of subversive like superhero films, and like it, it, it I feel like I've seen like scenes in in Deadpool that could have easily like 
paced out in previous films and probably in some way kind of like siphon the energy of that film. And so much so that I feel like it doesn't have as much as it – it doesn't have the potency that it would have given us had it come out sooner. Yeah. I, I, I would agree and, and disagree at the same time with the notion that this is somehow a – exists in a vacuum or that this is self-contained. I yeah. cannot watch this movie and not because – Half of it's because of a self-reflexive tone, and the other half is because of just the way the movie is made. I cannot not watch this and not think that this is a part of Marvel's blueprint, even if it's mm. like an ancillary, uh, you know, uh, section of their massive, you know, cinematic whatever universe. Even if Deadpool himself never once crosses paths with Iron Man or something like that, this, it, I never was once thinking that Marvel was actually letting somebody do something different. I, I think all they kind of essentially did was allowed somebody to add the F word and and not stray that far from the path. And I think, A, the inclusion of that thing that I didn't even know was there <laughs> at the finale, the, the, the shield, oh, the whatever. Hovercraft. I'm the not saying that it's actually going to bear fruit or anything like that, yeah. but like that, that's another moment of, I would say, Marvel like still having final say over everything that's in this movie, and until I see something that's, I would say, where I don't feel like that, where I, I'm only reminded of Marvel the moment I see its logo, and then I'm not, you know, whatever, until I, I, I can't say that about this movie, and I probably won't be able to say that probably about any Mar- Marvel movie that comes out, and that's just my own uh, prejudice, whatever. Uh, yeah. But I don't know that what you were describing, like, I got what you were describing from a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy, because I was dropped into a world that, A, I've never seen before, because I've never read those comics or anything like that, and yet, this was still a Marvel movie, I completely grant you, as far as, yeah, like the whole Thanos tie-in and whatnot, and there's even more tie-in that I'm forgetting or whatever, mm-hmm. but I felt like that was actually a more subversive, I would say... Uh, I, I just felt like that's way more of a gamble than making an R-rated dick joke of a superhero movie. Like that actually took guts to not only conceive, but then to, I, I mean, that plot is so like loosey goosey as far as it's just them driving well, from planet to planet. If you're talking about it being a gamble for, uh, if you talk about it being a gamble for Marvel, <laughs> like I feel like I'll definitely agree with you on that point because at that point they really did actually just throw that out there and say, well, this may be a huge fucking failure and we're going to have to change our plans going forward. It was a huge success. And honestly, that probably aided this film in some of the, I I would say, restraints that were probably taken off of that even more than it already had been because it was always going to be an R-rated film about the character Deadpool, Wade Wilson, uh, Ryan Reynolds, whatever. But maybe they were just allowed being like, yeah, fuck, do whatever you want. I don't really care yeah. because we're throwing Black Panther. We're throwing Dr. Stray. We're, we're throwing anything we possibly can that can make it to the screen because you know what? They're going to keep going and giving their fucking shackles. So. Right. And that's why Deadpool for me felt like them scraping the bottom of the barrel instead mm-hmm. of like actually searching through the barrel for something worthy of its own movie. Well, let's go to final ratings. Cause I feel like we've actually done a pretty good job going around the uh, Deadpool and going between its, its high points, its low points, its middle points. Um, and I think it's been pretty good. Yeah. This episode. So yeah. I'll start off by saying that I gave this film three and a half out of five. It certainly was not a perfect film in any way, shape, or form. It certainly wasn't even necessarily what I would call a great, good film, whatever. It just happened to be a film that entertained me for an hour and a half and wasn't anything more or less than that. It was a entertaining story. Uh, you know, it's pretty much existed in its own 
little bizarro universe that wasn't really involved with X-Men or with Marvel, but it, it was at the same time. And it's, I'll say this, like the self-awareness of this film for some reason just worked for me in a way that it, it didn't seem to work for you guys. And that mm. I really did enjoy all the small little jabs at breaking the fourth wall at uh, X-Men at the, the Marvel universe. Uh, I liked it. I, I enjoyed watching that because I, maybe it's because I've watched the same movie happen over and over in the MCU. I've watched the X-Men films, which started off good, got shitty. And all of a sudden I've had a rebirth in my opinion, have become a lot better with the, the new characters. And I feel like this Deadpool character just sort of, existed happened to be there said a lot of jokes that were right up my alley that are mm-hmm. things that i feel like i would say in conversations with friends at work or whatever like that because they're just things that i find funny and yeah. maybe that's just the way my sense of humor is there's some funny jokes i yeah. I, I enjoyed some jokes and in there. i as a person for some reason always am trying to say something funny whether it be good or bad whether it fall flat or whether it work out you're good at it well, no. sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I fail just like this film does. Not every joke in this was funny. And I will agree with you, Nick, that quite a few of them weren't that funny. However, this film tried time after time to say something funny at almost every turn. And for the most part, I was laughing throughout the entire film. I definitely don't think this is a film that's going to grow like a film, like the Big Lebowski would or something like that. Like this is a film that will probably never be as good as the first time I saw it because... It doesn't have films that ha- there doesn't have sorry it doesn't have lines doesn't have jokes that have a lot of depth to them. But on the surface, I enjoyed watching it. I like superhero movies. I like funny, dirty films, and I feel like this is perfectly adequate at what it was trying to accomplish, which was being a on its own film about an antihero who really has. No point other than to be what he is. Mm. He's not going towards anything in a universe. He's not building towards this grand match with Josh Brolin as a purple monster. Um, this is just Ryan Reynolds playing Van Wilder, playing Deadpool. And I liked it. I gave it three and a half out of five. And I've got to say, I'll be there seeing the sequel. Because even if it's not good, I probably will at least be entertained again. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to who they cast as Cable, actually. Like, literally, there's already a... a uh, a contention of who's going to be. There's cable. been a million rumors, even like ridiculous things like Kira Knightley and that kind yeah, of thing. I mean, like, cause that's the joke and yeah, that that's the joke. That's I know. the joke, <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like the sequel for this is, it's going to be like the kick-ass sequel was like, it's, it's probably not going to be good just because we started off with this and, Oh cool. Here's this thing. And then the I sequel think that comes John Ham would be a good, like, Cable, actually. Like well, a, I've seen a, a mock-up of him. He looks kind of like him, but I don't know if John <laughs> Hamm would ever do that. Probably well, not. What? Really? From uh, from Mad Men? Yeah, yeah, sure. Why not? He's yeah. been in a lot of uh, he's been cult in, comedy. He's been in Black from... Mirror, so like maybe... Well, Black Mirror, but he's... Uh, he's in Bridesmaids. Yeah. He's in Bridesmaids. Oh, yeah. He was in uh, Children's Hospital as a reoccurring character. Yeah. He's oh, in, shit. Yeah, I like th- he does a lot of... He's in 30 Rock. If the check was right, yeah, I the, think he'd if, be yeah. there. If, oh, the, yeah. if the price was right. Yeah, sure. Why not? So yeah, let's move on to Nick. Uh, I think you're going to have a little lower ring than I did. A little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I won't go too long or anything. I, I, I just couldn't c- connect with this movie on any level. I thought that as a you know as a film, it it just was so shoddy as far as it's such a mess. Uh, balancing its origin story, its love story, its uh, uh, even like the, the present timeline of what this 
movie takes place in is so I don't know threadbare like it like it just it, it double takes place in a vacuum of half of like the movie is apparently is taking place just on the freeway because uh, you know like he keeps going back and telling the story and then like but then it picks up halfway through and then just continues the story from there and it's like whoa you the freeway really... scene was uh, the test footage that, yeah. that was the original test footage of the film and that makes a lot of sense because I'm like why are we staying like stuck in this moment anyway um, but as far as like I was not, I would say I was, as much as, like, someone might say, like, well, you know, you're not the target audience or something like that, to that I have to say, like, I was not predestined to dislike this movie. I like certain superhero movies, like, it's not like a a, a genre that I detest or something like that. I want to say, too, I think out of all of us, you were the one who was most pushing towards us going to see this. I was actually kind of looking forward to it. I just didn't realize that I didn't want that trailer spread out over a hundred minutes. That was my fault. But, um, like I, I was like looking forward to possibly, yeah, like a rated R superhero, superhero movie. Um, I love meta humor, even if I didn't, and that's probably why I'm so harsh on it here because I usually love it. And when it does this one thing, which certain movies are capable or guilty of that, I get annoyed. Um, and yeah, I I also don't think I'm completely against juvenile humor. One of my favorite comedies of all time, Alex, you hate it, is MacGruber. Mm-hmm. And that's a movie that's has jokes about how he wants to cut off his own dick and shove it into the villain's mouth. I mean, <laughs> God, <laughs> you know, I am not like uh, adverse to potty humor or dick jokes or anything like that. Uh, I just think that. I, in the case of something like MacGruber, like that movie is so straight faced about what it is that it never does wink to the audience and mm. it dares you to like take it seriously yeah. uh, because this movie completely undercuts everything about this movie, whether it's its own drama, its own action, its own jokes. Uh, I, could, I couldn't get on board with it ever. And the jokes were range from there were a few jokes that I did find funny. I will just name drop one just to prove that I'm serious. Uh, the, uh, the the Liam Neeson dream joke I thought was actually hilarious when he said, you know, it's, they made three of those movies. Uh, at a certain point, shouldn't you just admit you're a bad parent? Yeah, so like, that was a good one. That was good, you yeah. know. And there were a few other ones that I, I definitely laughed at. But um, it was this – there's this – the way Ryan Reynolds delivers – or I say the way the movie because it's not just him. Other people deliver jokes. But the way this movie – kept insisting on joke a minute, joke a minute, joke a minute, only bled into this tone that I couldn't get past as far as, like, let me think that this joke is funny. Don't try to distract me with this next joke immediately after. Like, it was just kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that nobody notices how many of those noodles slid down. And Hmm. uh, because of that, I just could never, like, that. Just the the illusion just never once worked for me. So I give it one out of five stars. It's just a movie, like, it's not that I find it unbearable and I could watch it again. Like, I'm not saying that, but because I just genuinely thought it failed at everything it tried to do... Um, like it's still watchable. So I guess yeah. I, it's weird. Like my rating is so low and yet I wouldn't say it's like a travesty. It's just, this is one of those classic examples where just nothing about it worked for me. Yeah. So one out of five. Okay. Um, I have to say that personally, I think this is like one of the best conversations that we've ever had on film tank well, thank uh, you. of, of, of course uh of, of my of course. my personal it was opinion. only talking about you i was, I was talking, not anybody I else <laughs> I was talking about everybody because like it's it's so interesting because we're not trying to like make a blanket statement of like uh superhero films in general but just trying to fit this one like particular film how it fits into the the the, the tapestry of 
the the the, the tradition and and the 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 contemporary landscape of superhero films. Like the best analogy that I can think of it is like Alex. Like when you see this film, you see a square peg. Like Nick, when you look at this film, you see a triangle pe- peg. And when I see it, I look at a circular peg, and we're all trying to m- make it fit into a, a fucking cross. Of a, a, a fucking cross indentation and trying to like see how well it fits into that. I think like, we need to get our eyes checked. I, I, I don't. I don't think that there is one objective um, stance on this. Like other than like, of course, your own own subjective opinion. Like you can obviously like go off of that. But I think that personally, for me, that this is a film that. Um, referring back to a, a previous episode for for Magnolia with like a thermodynamics. Uh, 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 analogy is like this is a film that doesn't know if it wants to be a closed system or an open system and it keeps on like switching back and forth back and forth about steve jobs no i'm talking about Uh, magnolia i I thought we were sorry anyway random this is a film like deadpool is a film that doesn't know if it wants to be a closed system or an open system it doesn't know if it just wants to exist how does this relate to magnolia again i just because that's analogy that i use in magnolia oh Oh, i guess i I was thinking just closed circuit yeah sorry it's like a very prominent uh phrase of the movie Steve yeah. Jobs. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't know the film doesn't know if it wants to be a closed circuit or an open circuit. It doesn't know if it wants to just exist within its own vacuum and just play around with its own shit or if it constantly wants to wink not only to the audience but to the entire body of work that is the the superhero canon of of, of films right now. It's like and it it, it is much tries to set itself apart, but is also indelibly, inextricably, like, tethered to the precedent of those other films. And not just, like, the A-tier films, but also to the films that exist in the same type of subversive vein as it does. Um, it frustrates me, again, to no end that this film did not come out sooner because I feel like that its time has passed. The primacy, the potency of its time has passed, even though, like, it has succeeded Financially, I think that it's 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 great. I'm I'm happy that the film is successful. I don't wish a film to fail, but like except for Terminator Genesis, I really hope that film was going to fail. I'm glad it did. I really got to okay, see that movie. That's that's an <laughs> exception. We'll we'll I'm going to put that on the notch. That's an exception, except for Terminator Genesis. But anyway, <laughs> like I feel like this film could have landed a lot harder and had a lot more to do and a lot more to say in what it's trying to do. If it had only come out a little sooner, and if and if things in an alternate universe, I'd like to think that we would be having this conversation about the new film Kick Ass, and we'd be talking about how redundant that is compared to like Deadpool. In an alternate universe, I'd like to think that. But personally, for me, um, as a rating, um, I'm combining three different sentiments. I'm combining moviegoer, which thought that you know. I don't really watch a lot of superhero films, but like this was crass enough and it was okay. I was like, it's whatever. I was ready for this. I was prepared for this by films like Super and Guardians of the Galaxy, okay? As a as a Deadpool fairweather enthusiast, I was just like, well, this is the film that fans wanted and that's great. As a superhero savvy film goer, then my my opinion defers to that open and closed circuit that I was talking about. So I'm taking all those averages and it comes out to a two and a half. Right down the middle. Right yeah. down the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and to what you're, you've been saying, Tucson, uh, I guess I'll I won't like disagree with what you're saying because I think you're right that this film probably should have come out earlier and it shouldn't have waited all this time and yeah. had time to simmer and have jokes that did fall flat and they weren't as funny as they could have been and 
But I, I do feel like this film kind of fit nicely into where it ended up being released because it's this weird sort of space and time where you can do these kind of films. Like this film never would have made sense if this came out like in between the first Thor film and the first Avengers. Like it would have been bizarre. Well, I think that's what Tucson is trying to say that it, okay. it, it would, it would earn its irreverence or like, yeah. Yeah. Like, whereas like we, we, we've been primed for Deadpool, which mm-hmm. almost takes some of the bite out of it. I think exactly. that's what he's trying to say. Okay. Yeah. And I kind of agree actually. Yeah. It, hmm. Yeah. It, it, not it, to it, speak it, for you. No, but the, I, I think that's, that's a perfectly worded uh, <laughs> oh, sentiment yeah. of, of, of how I feel about it. Like it really is like I, yeah, that, that that's yeah. totally it. Yeah. I like where it is because I, I I I have to be totally honest. Even though I liked it, I felt like Ant Man was just another another one of those films that I I liked it, but it just really didn't do anything that did anything more than any of the other Marvel films. And I'm not saying that again, this did anything necessarily new, but it did something a little bit different than I've been used to watching in their films. And I, I liked it. Ant-Man so. did not move the needle left or right for me. I was, I say I, I gave that like two and a half. Yeah. It's actually kind of generous for me. In a, in I came from, I came from neutral planet on that, uh, on that film. I was like, I feel no strong one strong way, one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that was our review of uh, the film Deadpool. If you haven't seen it already, you are in the minority, I guess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, minority report. Um, if you have any opinions on Deadpool, as we had three somewhat different opinions and pretty strong-ish opinions, uh, you can send your thoughts onto FilmTankShow at gmail.com, or you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram <laughs> at FilmTankShow. So, um, from Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to uh, this bonus episode, and we'll catch up with you next time. Wait, where's the um, where's the Ferris Bueller like cameo where we just like talk to the audience? You're and still we just... listening? I liked it. You guys are crazy. Yeah, really. Take it easy, guys. Rumberty. <laughs>